Okadify alumni, we have an exciting announcement for you. At the end of this month, the National Alumni Board is bringing you the first episode of KDFiCast, a series that highlights stories from our very own sisters and takes you through a few of the milestones in their lives. Listen at your own convenience about topics ranging from starting your own business, your own brand, and your own family. From finances to fitness, career moves to advanced degrees, my name is Helen Zhu, your professional development manager, and you won't want to miss these conversations with sisters from across the country. Victoria Lee began her career at Stamp Event Management, where she worked on high-profile events like the Tony Awards. In 2012, she joined the global travel and meetings team at the Estee Lauder Companies, where she led the expansion of their strategic meetings management program globally. Victoria is the former 2017 Student Task Force Chair for the Professional Convention Management Association Headquarters and current Director of Programming for the PCMA Greater New York Chapter. Let's dive right in. I kind of feel like it's a a mini reunion right now. (laughs) I know. Yeah, it brings me back to 2014 when we recorded the the Northeast Happy video, like the rest of the world at the time. (laughs) Um, So, yes, to the listeners, I am joined by a very special guest, Victoria Lee. And Victoria, if you wouldn't mind just starting off by telling us a little bit about yourself and potentially bringing in your career trajectory up to this point. Yeah, of course. Um, So I am a Baruch Charter, Katie Phi, cost follow nine. Um, And so um, Baruch is based in New York, and that's where I've been born and raised my whole life, Um, and very much so in touch with a lot of the sisters from our chapter, and also had the privilege of being Northeast Lieutenant Governor with... um, Helen, when you were Northeast Gov, mm-hmm. and then also ser- serving as uh, the internal officer of internal affairs on that board for a couple of years. And currently now I'm working at Estee Lauder Companies. So I've been there for seven years, which I think is pretty atypical for um, a millennial, but it's um, a, a company I really enjoy working with and working for. Um, and I work in our travel and meetings department. Um, helping to handle anything from process, policy standardization to down to organizing logistics for meetings and events. Wonderful. So I like to start off these episodes by just getting to know the guest a little bit outside of their biography, which will be made available to listeners as well. And because I know you, And I follow you on Instagram. I am constantly inspired every time that you post hashtag solo travel. So my question to you is, what are your top three essentials for when you travel and why? Okay. Um, One, a scan of your passport. You should always have that when you travel, especially internationally. You just never know what might happen and that's something that I've learned luckily fingers crossed I've not lost my passport internationally but Mm -hmm. I make sure that I that I have a copy of that um another is my Charles Schwab bank card 
And that I love because there are no ATM fees when you're trying to withdraw and you don't pay for any type of currency exchange. So if you travel internationally a lot, you're saving tons of money. Um, And then the last thing I think um, that I would say like go to is actually um, probably a pretty good eye mask. I never really appreciated an (laughs) eye mask until... I have done trips where I need to like get off a flight and you just have to hit the ground running and an eye mask makes it so much easier for you just to fall asleep and you have that energy. So when you hit a destination, you're ready to go. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. I f- it's how, where was your most recent destination? Most recent destination. Um, oh my gosh, it's actually been a little a little bit of time um so i think for me i most recently had to do a trip to miami for a friend's birthday um personally um actually mexico yeah it was in um like the baja side of california i did a little solo like trip there just to rest and recover and i loved it really a lot oh awesome um So now steering it back to what you had shared about yourself in the introduction. So what was your motivation for entering the industry that you're currently in? I did a lot of odd jobs when I was in college. I remember I worked at a Qdoba, which is kind of the equivalent of a Chipotle if you don't have a Qdoba where (laughs) you are. For queso and guac. Yes really good queso. Um, I also, I worked as a, I taught preschooler. I did retail management and nothing just really appealed to me um, until I decided, you know, I, I've worked in retail management for a while and it was moving up pretty quickly, but I decided that just wasn't my calling. And I felt I had to take a step back, take an internship. And one thing that Katie Fye taught me was I really liked planning. I liked logistics. I liked things coming together. And that's where I took an internship at an events management company. And I could get my hands into production and understanding um, what goes into conceptualizing an event and executing it. Mm-hmm. And then that has actually then progressed and led me into more of a corporate role, um, managing travel and meetings. I can only imagine the skill set for details and organization. I mean, it's probably the top of the charts. And you were also one of the first people that I knew who had multiple phones. (laughs) How how do you keep yourself organized? I, you know, people organize themselves in different ways. And this is where I've learned to try and take the pressure off of myself. Like, when you're reading about successful people that wake up at four or five in the morning and they have their workout, they get started. And I realized that that's not me. I like to work out. I like to work out in the evening. I'm not a morning person. I know that my most productive times are probably from two to 10 PM. And then also my organizational style is I, I know I'm most focused actually not taking notes and it's engaging looking Mm -hmm. at a person and then I actually will go back to my desk and recall what the conversation that we had after Mm -hmm. Um, because when I'm taking notes I'm not always in tune and I'm missing things that they say so I think for me it was realizing that my organizational style is not what 
is always like perpetuated and in, in terms especially in like a corporate environment and it's to be comfortable to say okay i know my strengths are here and this is um what i need to do in order to make sure i put my best foot forward it's not necessarily fitting within the mold of what people are always expected to do that's awesome and and i appreciate you kind of using a reference point as those who we often hear stories about or read about um, but by reading your biography, 2016 seems like a particularly memorable year based on your accomplishments. Uh, what did it feel like to be recognized as PCMA's 20 in their 20s and connect corporates 40 under 40 in addition to several other accolades? It was amazing. And I think I'm really, I've been really privileged to have worked in an industry that promotes young professionals in a way that for myself, where I've been able to achieve a lot of these accolades. And also within my industry, you know, I have grown a lot where I not only have professional connections, but I have really great personal connections as well. Um, I think one of the challenging parts of it is achieving it young within you know doing these um and getting these accolades being under 30 it's like how do I keep pushing myself to be better and better and better and um actually me realizing in the past year has been okay I need to take a step back and maybe focus on my own um just my own personal growth and also my own kind of more mental stability and not necessarily say that even though I've reached these accolades can I keep pushing myself more and more professionally, of course, but also recognize that there are certain limits. And sometimes you just have to take a step back to continue growing. Yeah. Was there a point or, you know, a definitive period where you started recognizing these things about yourself or how you wanted to map out the next period of time in your life? Yeah, I think in in the past year, starting to get burnout, I love I absolutely love what I do and there isn't a day where I wake up and I'm dreading about going to the office or going to the next meeting that I have because I'm so passionate about the uh, travel industry that I work in Mm -hmm. but what I recognized was maybe it is time for me to also have a personal focus there's personal goals that I might have or you know being realistic I think that this is you know, being very blunt, I think sometimes it's like really difficult for women in particular, where you want to balance like a professional career, but you also have to balance out that you have like a biological timeline. And I think that was tough for me that, okay, maybe I need to step, take a little bit of a step back for my professional to make sure that I'm also um, achieving maybe more of like the family goals that I want to want to get to in the next few years. So that's been a really personal, um, like conscious choice for myself, but I'm happy that I'm deciding like okay this is important to me I appreciate that and I feel like it's so important to either have someone to either talk to look up to someone who almost gives somewhat of a permission to say yes you can explore these other facets of goals and that's equally important you had mentioned networks and connections that you had had to get you to where you are in your professional life. In what ways did mentorship potentially play a role or continue to play a role in what you do? That has been really important to me. And I think recognizing that you should be able to 
go out and look for mentors, especially in the unexpected places. I mean, I have a really great relationship with my manager. She's a very strong mentor to me. Um, but then, you know, I've also learned a lot as well from from the younger sisters in my chapter and seeing now we're entering the tenure of Brute Katie Fi and um, being able to evolve with some of, you know, um, me being in charter class, but I have sisters who, you know, are like Delta, Epsilon class, like even my kids and seeing their growth over the years and how they've become really strong, um, independent women and um, that definition of an alpha, like an alpha female and like seeing them involved from the start. I think that to me has been inspiring. And I think that we need to look at beyond the traditional sense of a mentor and recognize that they really do come in um, all different ages, forms, but it's like what you make of the relationship and what you're going to take out of it. And also the humility for you to recognize that you're going to um, learn about aspects of person and about yourself from someone who you may not expect it to come from. Right. No, I think that's so important, especially as we're defining the mentorship program on a national scale. It's like so easy to sign up for something and be matched with someone potentially being the next step, but it's really the the active pursuit and um, really the interpersonal things that you had just mentioned to that actually contribute to a good mentor mentee relationship in whatever capacity it shows up. Um, so I guess to round out this interview, I I'm really drawn to how honest and raw you are and just talking about how identities show up in your professional life, whether it is being a woman in a corporate environment or um, just other things that could uh, play a role in your day-to-day. How do you, I guess there are several ways to answer this question, but uh, how do you negotiate your professional and personal identities? Or are there times where you feel like you're, identities do play a factor, whether that's race, ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic class, education, et cetera, play a role in, or, and age um, play out in your work life. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you asked that. I was just talking to a friend about it. Um, and I feel, so I actually saw really recently um, Abby Wambach speak and she wrote this book called Wolfpack, which it's a really quick read, but I highly recommend it. And one of the things that resonated with me the most is that you you need to demand what you deserve. And I feel that is so important, especially for Asian American women and to be able to say, and, um, and you know what, women in general, to be able to talk about, you know, what what do you want and you need mm. to learn to vocalize how you're going to get it so putting into practical examples for myself i know what i do in my professional life and to be able to express when i want this promotion when i want this raise to um not only am i going to vocalize it but then to actually have the acumen to say okay this is what i've been able to do in the role this is how i can quantify the um, mm-hmm. amount of productivity that i have this is a value that i bring to the company and i think it's really important at a 
um, early on in your professional career that you're developing that type of skill set so that you can prove yourself and then also not feel ashamed to be asking for what you deserve. Because if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. And I think that's um, towards probably like my mid now to late 20s. What I realize is um, you just have to be your own biggest champion. Definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned a book that's like one concrete reference point that um, others may be able to explore too. Are there any other resources that have either taught you or encouraged you to ask for what you need or want? Um, What have you turned to? Yeah, I also, the last couple of books I can recommend that I've read that I thought were all really great. I loved Shoe Dog from Phil Knight talked about how he created Nike and what his entrepreneur spirit was like. And it's written in such a way that makes you feel like, wow, I need it's inspiring. Um, That was one one thing. Like if you have a dream, you go for it and to read about his parents. And then the other book that I really love is um, it's the subtle art of not giving a f- mm-hmm. <laughs> And I really enjoy that because I think like we're just taught to sometimes care a little bit too much. And what are the things that we can do to try and mentally just step back a little bit and think about how you're approaching your attitude and what you're what you could be doing to be more productive and more fulfilling. And I think that was, um, that was for me a really strong message. Cause I, I think I was very guilty of like the, um, um, the, the message that he, he was trying to deliver a solution for. Yeah, no, I love it. I was walking through the bookstore earlier today and saw that there were sequels to, um, like the first book, the bestseller, I guess. Um, well, I guess we'll wrap up there. You gave us some homework to do some things to read when we have a moment. Um, Victoria Lee recommended it. So everyone, thank you for listening today. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks. Thanks, Helen. Thank you for listening to our very first episode of Katie Fycast. Like what you heard and have another sister in mind? Send your nominations to recording at akdfialum.org. Again, that's recording at akdfialum.org. Catch you next time.